Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, we've got good friend of the program, Dieter Kurtenbach here, and we are going to talk about a wide variety of NBA things. We're going to talk about the Celtics finally moving Gordon Hayward out of the starting lineup. We're going to talk about Markel Fultz seeing a shoulder uh, specialist, I guess is Let's the way to that. put it. Yep. Um, yeah. And the way that that story is being framed is kind of weird to me, but you know, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba Walker has just been incredible, and we can't talk about Kemba enough on this podcast. And then uh, we're going to go into the Warriors and some things that we like and dislike. But first, Dieter, did you see the ultimate, ultimate fucking power move that happened in basketball this morning? Well, I didn't see it. So, well, first and foremost, Sports Center didn't do a great job of having this on like the A and B blocks or whatever. They had it like in the D block right. of Sports Center because, of course, they did. But what ends up happening here is James Wiseman announces yesterday he's going to commit. Uh, and everyone knows he's going to Memphis. It's supposed to be a celebration throughout the day. He's playing DJ Jeffries, who's also committed to Memphis tonight in a high school basketball game. Uh, it's supposed to be this massive deal. Wiseman is a consensus number one player in the country. and He's committing to Memphis to stay home. Not an hour before James Wiseman decides to commit. Anthony Edwards, one of the top players in the 2020 recruiting class, decides to reclassify oh. into the 2019 recruiting class, <laughs> and he immediately vaults into the number one spot in the 2019 recruiting class because he's better than James Wiseman. So an hour before James Wiseman or, uh, commits, Anthony Edwards steals all the thunder and decides, I am making this power move right now. Where is that guy going to go? Uh, Florida State's apparently the leader right now. I, I mean, that comes from what? like no inside information. Oh, yeah, I know. Just comes from like reading like stuff online and stuff. I don't really get into the, like where guys where? are going and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but done. yeah, like, and then I write about them. But yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards, Florida State, I think Michigan <laughs> State's up there. Um, yeah. and like all of the other normal teams are in of there. Course. That, um, is, that is that is some grade A trolling right there. That I is some it. good stuff. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, let's talk about the Celtics, though. The Celtics are not one of my favorite things in the world right now. They are uh, really <laughs> struggling. Really, yeah. really struggling. They scored well, eight. The, yeah, I mean, they scored they, they eight six the... points on Saturday against Utah. Okay, that's a, that's a fair that's a fair analysis. I watched the game again. I haven't. I didn't catch them over the weekend. I, I'm obviously catching up now and looking at the numbers and, and all that. Uh, not good, as as you alluded to. But uh, you know, they played the Raptors pretty well. Uh, in that game that it went to overtime, and I'm pretty damn sure they won the damn thing. So they did. Yeah. Um, you you get these glimpses, and you're like, oh, okay, it's not great, but it, it's better. And then they do what they did. Yeah, I mean, they're three and six in their last nine. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are a good basketball team, getting a superhuman performance that we'll talk about here in a few minutes with Kemba Walker. But like, I don't know, like the the Celtics feel like they should be better, and it's interesting now that they're starting to try and adjust what they're doing because for the first few, what is it? Probably 14 games or so. Um, yeah. they, they went with the status quo. They figured we're good enough. We're going to figure this out. Now they have moved Gordon Hayward out of the starting lineup finally and moved Aaron Baines back in, which is what they were so successful with last year. Aaron Baines and Al Horford mm -hmm. starting together, uh, playing Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving, uh, it's just interesting that I don't want to say this is a panic move because if you've watched the way that Gordon Hayward has meshed with the starters, it's been a pretty abject disaster uh, offensively yeah. at least. But it's still interesting that they've decided we're not going to power through this. We're actually just going to make a change and see what we can do to kind of jumpstart this thing. Yeah, you, you see what – it's so weird. You look at some of the splits for guys like Tatum – and um and brown and even Kyrie, like when baines is on the floor there's a better offensive rating just just as simple as that and like it's kind of a jarring number which the doesn't fact that make he's sense, the guy though. no the fact that he's the guy who's providing spacing and logic and order is not um encouraging is the nicest way i can put it and i i have been someone who listen the lineups work and they have worked since last year's playoffs I've always been someone who somewhat rallied against putting Baines and Horford on the court together. Horford's numbers, the offensive numbers jump like crazy when Baines is on the floor. Um, I've always rallied against it because it didn't, it didn't look right. But I, 
you got to credit Brad Stevens. Like, it doesn't look right. It shouldn't really work if we're being totally honest. Like, I feel like you put that on the court too much and other teams would kind of figure it out. But Baines knocks down threes. Uh, Lord knows he, he, he plays the game hard. It allows Horford to take off some responsibilities on the offensive end. It gives them a little bit more of a, a dynamic punch. I don't know how long it can last, but this team just needs to get some grease on the gears. And this might be the, the thing that ultimately does it. In fact, I, I don't see really any alternative that isn't just wishful thing. So it's kind of weird because Gordon Hayward with Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown have a 90.8 offensive rating. That is just a disastrous level. With Aaron Baines, that number jumps to 95.7, a bit less disastrous, but still... It's not good. This isn't like some great number. Where the number jumps is when you put in Marcus Morris with the starters. Mm -hmm. uh, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum have a 113.7 offensive rating in 35 minutes together uh, so far this season. They have a plus 5.6 net rating, whereas the longtime starters with Gordon Hayward have a negative 4.2 net rating and the Baines starting lineup has a negative two net rating. Yeah. So there's I a trade-off though. There's yeah. a trade-off in that when you play Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris is, <laughs> when he's off the court, the Celtics have a 93.4 defensive rating. When he's on the court, they have a 105. Mm -hmm. And this team doesn't have the kind of offense, even with him on the court, that can make up 105. Um, yeah. They just have too many guys with too dramatic of splits in some ways. They have guys like Marcus Morris is a great, we know exactly what he is. He's an excellent stretch four, stretch five, who's going to knock down shots. He's going to get buckets, but he can't defend anyone worth a lick. And this team has to maintain its predication of defense uh, because there's not a lot of teams that can play lockdown defense in the NBA. That stuff matters as the season gets later, as we get into the playoffs. You can't, you cannot sacrifice that just hoping that the offense gets going. It's a net, it's both sides of the court matter just as much. And uh, the Celtics are good at one end, end of the court. I would not get too extreme. I, that's why I like the Baines thing more than even going for the Morris thing because you know exactly whatever you're gaining on the offensive end, you're going to lose on the defensive end when you put Marcus Morris with that starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a weird deal right now. And it's interesting that they decided to go with Baines versus someone like uh, Marcus Smart, for instance, like Marcus Smart mm -hmm. lineups with him are a plus 2.2 so far this year. Uh, Shimmy Ojale, by the way, yes. uh, he's only played 99 minutes and only played 11 games so far this year. But lineups with him have a plus 13 net rating this year. He's yeah, kind of the on-court 90, 90 defensive rating. Difference yeah, of almost 12 points. He's kind of the perfect, like, low-usage, high-energy defender that mm -hmm. playing with someone like Jason Tatum, who likes to have a lot of the ball, and Jalen Brown, who even likes to have the ball a reasonable amount, lest we forget Kyrie Irving, who is going to dominate the ball because he's Kyrie and should mm -hmm. dominate the ball. Um, and like Al Horford needs a specific number of possessions. So it's just very interesting that this is where we're at, where I do feel like even though Gordon Hayward lineups overall have a 1.9 net rating and have been positives because yeah. Boston is generally a good basketball team. Um, it does seem like those lineups fit better whenever he's not specifically with that starting unit that has played so many minutes this season. So I actually kind of understand the move here from Brad Stevens. I think that despite like the only reason that this wouldn't, or that this is a story is because Gordon Hayward is making $35 million this year. Um, yeah. But, you, you, but we all know context. You take it one step further. This cannot continue into perpetuity. Of course, like this has to be something that is addressed. Like Gordon Hayward cannot be a bench player for this team in good conscience by the new year. Um, that just won't work for this Celtics team. And they're going to have to maybe consider either lowering their expectations or, or making another move. But you look at the Celtics team and so many of the issues it looks at to me are that they just have too many good players that aren't necessarily all growing together. You see what Jason Tatum was able to do. He, he kind of developed his game to be a star. Kyrie is always going to be an individualist. Marcus Morris is always going to kind of be about getting his own buckets. Um, they just have a lot of different options. And it almost feels as if guys are fighting for opportunity more than they are fighting to fill a role. And this is not some, oh, Brad Stevens has lost control or any of these guys are self intrinsically selfish and don't believe in the team aspect. It's just that they have a lot of talent. It's a young team that hasn't figured out its place in the NBA yet. So these players are individually trying to figure out their place. And it just hasn't come together yet 
in a cohesive manner. Guys don't necessarily all grow with the same you know velocity, with the same speed. Growth is obviously a nonlinear path. Uh, and when you just have all of this talent in one place fighting for something, it, it doesn't have to click immediately. And it's, it'll be interesting to see if it ever does, because you have so many guys who are, it kind of seems like fighting for roles that maybe, you think about like a guy like Terry Rozier, right? Terry hasn't been good this year, but Terry wants to be the man. And so when he gets his opportunities, he's trying to be the man. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a positive thing. You want that out of your players, but maybe that's not what the Celtics need right now. And I don't envy Brad Stevens having to figure it all out because then, but it's, it's got to come together or they got to, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with this. This is a coaching problem that I can't think of too many parallels to all things considered. Let's table the Terry thing because I want to talk about that in a minute, uh, just because of like the Twitter storm that happened earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, in regard to the way that this could be adjusted, I think it's just going to be like a natural growth process where guys are going to have to buy into roles or yeah. they're going to have to not buy into roles. Um, and given that they have guys like Al Horford and guys like Gordon Hayward and guys yeah. like Jalen Brown that seem comfortable buying into roles. Marcus Smart is another guy that uh, certainly seems like a guy who's happy to buy into a role. I think it's just going to happen organically. I really do. Like You're a lot more confident than I am. Yeah, I, I, like yeah. Gordon Hayward is a big addition to a team. Like this no question. Is especially adding him after last season. If you <laughs> would have added him last season and you would have added him before Jason Tatum's massive breakout, I think that there would have been a different hierarchy of roles, right? I agree with that. And I don't, and what I'm, my thought is, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good thing because now Tatum has gotten a taste of being the dude and he got a summer of getting his tires pumped for good reason. I was, I wasn't at the forefront. We were 100% on it. Yeah. But like, but like I'm, I'm all in on Jason Tatum as a superstar in this league. And so what is Gordon Hayward now? Now he's a $35 million guy who gets along with everybody is going to do whatever it takes. He, if someone's going to fall into the role player mold, it's going to be your highest paid player. That doesn't work when it comes to team building as good as, as much as you want your players to be selfless and do whatever they, they can for the team. Like, you need your $35 million a year player to be a dude. And Gordon Hayward, there can only be so many dudes on a team. As we said, we've said a hundred times, there's only one ball. So the, the big problem here is that Gordon Hayward just isn't producing. Like, I get that Boston sports radio people jump on Al Horford all the time for uh, only getting like 12 points and 10 rebounds or eight rebounds and it. all that stuff. But like, And Gordon Hayward does some of that stuff. He keeps the ball Mm -hmm. moving. He plays well within a team concept. Mm -hmm. But there are two big things that Gordon Hayward is not doing right now. Gordon Hayward is like a solid defender. He's not an all-defense, like top-five defender in the league like Al Horford. Uh, He's also shooting at a piss-poor percentage right now. Yes, He's at 28.3% from three and only taking, I want to say, like 38% of his shots, something like that from three, when – if you're going to play this role, you need to be willing to just hit the spot three and not just try and attack closeouts constantly. And right. uh, you need to keep the ball moving in a more uh, substantial, quicker manner, whereas he wants to handle the ball because he's so talented and gifted. And thousand thousand percent agree. He needs to he needs to take on the three and D role that Tatum was supposed to play yeah. and that Jalen plays well, around him in <laughs> theory last year. Tatum needs to take on more of the Tatum three and D role that happened last year, because right now Jason Tatum is taking like a higher percentage of his shots from 16 to 23 feet than I think all but like two players in the NBA. So it might be interesting to see. And and it was interesting in that game against the Raptors because Kyrie just did like totally crazy Kyrie stuff. And it was like, you, you, you start to realize like, that's the transcendent talent on this team. Obviously, Hayward Offensively, is certainly. Yeah, but and no one's ever expecting anything. I mean, if he he has a it's, it's not good. I mean, he has a 103 defensive rating. It's it's not great, but like and they're much much better <laughs> defensively when he's off the court, but he is he is their best offensive player without a doubt. He is the guy who can make it work for everybody else. 
when he is on, he's maybe being a little bit too unselfish and trying to get everybody else into it. Just maybe spend the next week just trying to do Kyrie stupid, stupid dribble drive, four out, five out stuff, or just high pick and roll with him and Horford, high pick and roll with him and Tatum, and uh, and just see what develops from a simplistic offense. Because right now, it's obviously a Brad Stevens, heavy motion, Warriors-esque offense, and it just, again, it doesn't feel like it, it has the understanding of roles that is necessary in a situation like that. There's, as you said, with Hayward, he's trying to attack on closeouts too much. He's trying to dribble to me. He's doing the stuff that was Utah Gordon Hayward when it was a power wing system and all those things. That stuff will perhaps be integrated, but you got to get down the basics. And the basics right now are catch and shoot threes and getting to the hoop. No mid-range, no elaborate yep. dribbling. And the same thing applies to Jason Tatum. You get those two guys to at least get the baseline of, I can knock down a corner three, I can knock down a wing three, and I can dunk the ball when a guy is over-aggressive and closing out on me. Okay, now you can go from there. But I think that the only way you get to that simplicity is just giving Kyrie the ball and saying, hey, you wanted a team. This is your chance right now. This team needs somebody to take the lead and just say, I'm I'm carrying you all there. And if Kyrie goes to kind of what he did in the fourth quarter, which is I'm the dude, and you guys just hang around me, and I'm going to get you open shots because I'm taking on four defenders at one time, and we're going full Westbrook on this bad boy. That might actually make some things click, but you need buy-in from Tatum and Hayward. And, and, and again, I don't think that this comes from a bad place on either of them, but they're both trying to be something that they either can't be right now or are not yet, and yeah. it just won't work long-term. Uh, let's talk about Terry Rozier really quickly. So Terry yeah. Rozier um, – said something on Twitter today. It was just like a quick tweet. Um, do you have it? I don't have the tweet. I did see that um, Alex Kennedy, who uh, for such a nice guy, Alex Kennedy is in the middle of some shit consistently on Twitter. He is very much online. Um, dude, dude stirs the pot and I'm here for it. I, like, but like, he's such like, he's, he's so low key and like, just like, Oh, I'm out. You know, it's just like, everyone's great at basketball and I love it. And, I don't, it, it's, I'm not, listen, I don't think he's trying to stir the pot. Oh, I just no, think that he tweets no. so much that people use him as like a conduit for their bullshit. Um, but <laughs> so I've got the tweet up here. Um, Terry Rozier said, let's do us all a favor. Uh, what that means, I don't know. Oh, so no. Celtics fans decided to take it as like, let's do us all a favor and trade him. Uh, or let's do us all a favor and we would prefer to see you buy in. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, gonna Terry, start, I'm just going to start texting that to you every now and again. So yeah, let's do us all a favor. Yeah, like Bradley Beal. I've been here for seven years. Yeah, I've been dealing with this shit for seven years. Um, but like, <laughs> Free Bradley Beal. Yeah, we've talked about Terry Rozier on the podcast before, and Terry, the problem that he's having right now is it does seem he's a guy that's in the middle of a contract year. He wants mm -hmm. to get paid, and his role on the team is just not what it needs to be for him to get the most amount of money that he's capable of getting. So Agreed. I get that there's frustration on his end, but like we knew the score going into the year kind of, didn't we? Like there's reason for him by his proper name, which is future Phoenix son, Terry Rozier. <laughs> Seriously. Like I said, Mikhail Bridges and DeAnthony Melton for Terry Rozier. It makes sense for everyone involved. Just make James it Jones. James Jones is apparently very open for uh, suggestions and uh, maybe a bit of a push. So you get James Jones on the phone, he might do it. You're no LeBron, but I think you got clout. Yeah, but Terry Rozier here. I mean, what do, what do the Celtics do with Terry? I mean, I actually don't think that this tweet is a big deal. Uh, I just want to. Be oh, clear. it's absolutely not a big deal. We have seen big deals like yeah. this. This does not qualify as a big deal in the NBA landscape in 2018, 2019. But um, they're not. <laughs> Like Terry, Terry is not Terry's another guy who is kind of not buying into what maybe his role should be. And the again, the issue is that the roles are very nebulous at this juncture. But Terry needs to be the best version of himself, and the best version of himself is never going to be a ball dominant um, point guard. It's just a guy who has scrap and will do the right thing. Someone you can trust, and, and you can trust I, to pull up from three, and you can trust him to defend uh, at a high level. And he's athletic yeah. and gets out on the break. You probably don't want Terry Rozier dominating the ball in the half. Exactly. But I've seen, I'm seeing him dribble more. 
I'm seeing him trying to be more of a player than he is. This team is too talented for Terry Rozier to be playing for a max level contract that he's never going to get. And um, I don't think, I don't know if there's resolution to that because Terry is obviously a very confident, headstrong is too strong of a term, but he's a very confident guy who is going to get his. And that has been extremely positive for the Celtics in the past. But I, I just don't know on a team where you have Kyrie and him, it, he just doesn't fit the backup point guard mold and he'll never see himself as a backup point guard and you think about where Terry Rozier made a name for himself it's when Kyrie was out and I think you probably if you can't get him to sort of tone it down and just admit like I'm with this team we all know what's probably going to happen in the offseason I'm gone you can't afford me I don't really want to be here let's do us all a favor (laughs) but maybe let's do us all a favor and and tone it down like Terry's going to get his on the market People who know basketball know that Terry Rozier can be a starting point guard in this NBA, yeah. maybe even a top 15 point guard in the NBA. There's no question about it, but he's got he's got to tone it the hell down because I don't think he's sabotaging the Celtics in any way, but he's not helping no. their cause. He's not helping their cause. And Kyrie, so long as he is healthy, is going to be the dude on this team. Uh, I Again, I wish he would be more of the dude on this team. Uh if he can't, if he can't tone it down a little, they probably should trade him. That's yeah. that's just the cut and dry. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. It's a really really tough spot. You want to you want to stay as talented as you can for as long as you can because if Kyrie has Kyrie is injury prone, like how many injuries has Kyrie had? That's that's what I was gonna say. Like Terry Rozier is more than anything right now an insurance policy for this season. He's but not, he's more of a hand. He's a handcuff. He's a he's a yeah. fantasy football handcuff where he doesn't get it. He doesn't really help you in any way. In fact, you almost don't want to play him. Like the Warriors have the same thing with Quinn Cook. Like Quinn Cook is not good unless Steph Curry is completely out and you need to have a backup point guard and then he can actually get buckets for you. But he ha- he serves no purpose to you unless he's playing with your starting lineup. And I mean, it's it's a more extreme version. Terry Rozier yeah, can do a lot of really positive. <laughs> but like there's there's still uh, no, no, no question in my mind. But like in any and if anyone's trying to argue the opposite, they're fools. But like you, you see it's a handcuff thing. He fills the starting backup starting point guard. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very, very different. Uh, Terry Rozier, by the way, among the rotation players uh, on the Celtics. So Tice, Ojale, Tatum, Baines, Rozier, Kyrie, Smart, Hayward, Brown, Horford, and Morris. So the top 11 guys. Terry Rozier has the lowest uh, offensive rating uh, when he's on the floor for this. It team. is rough. Yeah, so uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the guy that they played last night, Kemba Walker. He became the fifth guy, I believe, to back up a 60-point game, which he did against Philadelphia 76ers over the weekend with a 40-point game, which he did against the Boston Celtics on Monday night. Uh, I don't think we can talk enough about Kemba Walker. He's just been the most uh, important player to his team. Mm-hmm. I think in the NBA, I would still pick Giannis for MVP because I think Giannis is just a better basketball player than Kemba, but it would be hard for me to get to four players without mentioning. Listen, my November 20th MVP is Kemba Walker. There, there's just, I, I, I agree with you that Giannis has been spectacular. You can argue that Stephen Curry's value has been uh, in <laughs> heightened by the fact that the Warriors have turned to complete dog shit with him out. Um, there are a lot of really good players playing excellent basketball right now, but Kemba is doing some like grade A MVP stuff out there. Um, my my question to you is, you, we've seen the narrative after that 60-point game. So, like, um, you have a call, oh, Kemba needs to get that, you know, it could, it could be that $221 million Supermax if he makes All-NBA, which at this juncture, it seems, this very early juncture, like, of course he's going to make All-NBA. Seems so, like, yeah. So are the Hornets, you know, the Hornets have gave Nick Batum $120 million. Like, Michael Jordan clearly has some money. Um, they have to make him the the, the Hornet for life and, and give him the contract and, and, and go all in. Um, a lot of other people I, I saw are like the Charlotte Hornets have failed Kemba Walker and he's just going to play out his career in, in strange Eastern Conference mediocrity. I think that there's a third option. It's I would like to see the Hornets go out and try to get somebody else uh, to, to help out Kemba Walker. And in this marketplace, yeah. I think that that's possible. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I don't think the Wizards will probably trade Bradley Beal within division. Oh my God, what I wouldn't give. Yeah, like I, I just don't think that'll happen. No, but, they'd be stupid too, but they're not like, very good. So, and they're not very smart. So, yeah, that's true. Um, but like he's the kind of guy that I think they should be hunting for. Um, for sure. You can just kind of look, like I'm trying to think like who else I think even makes sense for this team. 
Uh, like who else is out on the marketplace? I that, mean, it's not J.R. Smith who's currently away from the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. as they await a trade. J.R. I mean, that's Had fine. Had to sneak that in there. He's not. Uh, Was the he Cavs ever are, with the Cavaliers? If we're being totally honest, the Cavs are not going to be able to trade Jr. Like they might no. try, but they're not going to be able. to. No, he'll he'll get bought out and he'll end up on the Rockets. Warriors. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'm like trying to find a star though to put with Kemba, and it's it's hard. It's really hard to find the right one. Like, um, you know, you could look toward like nowhere. <laughs> I really don't know who it is. Like, just kind of. I mean, Wiggins doesn't do it for me. Um, no, they're not going to trade Kawhi. I mean, the problem is now with the Jimmy Butler thing out, and the, the next guys are the Hornets guys, and you're not going to right. trade for John Wall. Like, maybe it is Otto Porter. Maybe that'd be maybe nice. That's but the they, move. But they have. I mean, listen. I, I think Otto Porter is a much better player than Nick Batum at this juncture. But I don't know if they lack for. Uh, competent defensive minded wings who can also give you something on the offensive end and enjoy ball movement. In fact, they seem to have a kind of a glut of them, but they really need is Malik Monk to not only be playing again, but to maybe turn into the Malik Monk that at least I think he can be, which is a really nice, solid secondary score in the league. Um, this is what Dave Dufour and I talked about yesterday. I think if I was the Hornets, I would probably look at moving Monk as the centerpiece in a deal like. That. I, I can, yeah, I can, I can, I can buy that. He hasn't really proven a value one way or another. So there are going to be teams that are high on him. He's still very much a prospect uh, mm-hmm. in many eyes. So um, the other thing too is you know some of the guys who are, are movable or even some of the buy low options out there are point guards. Yeah. Like um, so tricky, but something that. And like um, you, you don't have to give Kemba the supermax, but you can just give him five years, thirty percent of the cap. You just know, figure, just figure it out. Yeah. Like, just it's it's going to be a, a. It doesn't matter. It doesn't just, matter. Just pay him. Like, pay him like there's no five, there's no circumstance or something. Yeah, there's no circumstance in which Kemba Walker isn't going to both completely blow out your cap and like. So just give just give him just have a nice solid negotiation and move on. This should be a very easy yeah. job for for everybody uh here's my favorite kind of sneaky one okay Um, here so the pistons are obviously building around blake griffin and andre drummond right now as one does andre drummond is a 2020 free agent Hmm. do you maybe try and blow the pistons away with an offer um malik monk to get the guard that you need if you think maybe the pistons think malik monk has lead guard skills and can be Mm -hmm. that guy who can mesh a little bit better with blake um you throw in a first-round pick, obviously, this year, uh, and you make the money work with guys like Jordan Williams. Yeah, I don't feel great about it, but it's a good idea. And like, I, I don't think the Pistons want to trade Andre Drummond, though, is the problem. Listen, I think they should. but I agree with you, and I think that once they fall out of the playoff race, or if they do fall out of the playoff yeah, if race, they like, do. right now they're fifth in the East, yeah. so like they shouldn't really be looking into this. But like, if they do in march like maybe that's the like mid-tier star prospect guy that you go get you think it's 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 really hard to find the right like it's hard to find the next star to move what's the ideal you're looking obvious do you even want a center (laughs) i just i just thought of a funny one yeah draymond (gasps) oh don't blaspheme on this pod <laughs> Draymond um that uh, you're going to have to excuse the language that would be a team of some motherfuckers yes, that it would. no one no one would want to play Kemba and Draymond Kemba and Draymond very different people but somewhat of the same fire deep inside um yeah. they might either they might kill each other not not sure how they would get along. Oh no, I think they would have an immense amount that, of respect. That for or another. they would they would be just the world's greatest motherfucker duo ever. Yeah. Um yeah. that that you know what? That would be outstanding when you think about how Jimmy and Joel Embiid are somewhat forming an incredible WWE style duo right now. That would be a that would be a nice counter. That would be a worthy adversary in a WWE yeah. style duo in the Eastern I'm Conference. So here for it. Uh, if the Warriors decide, or if like they're, they they're might never like going to summer. trade Draymond, well, they never trade. But if if Kevin Durant resigns and like Durant says, "Look, I'll resign, but I'm fucking done with this dude." Um, like there there is a conversation to be had there. Let me put it to you this way: I have had this co- God, I've had this conversation in so many ways with so many people. I am not convinced that the Warriors fully understand how integral Draymond Green is to making them the Warriors. And I agree with that. 
Maybe they I do understand it, but I think he is incredibly integral to being the Warriors. That or they just don't want to openly admit it. And I lean towards the former, but I have had this conversation with so many guys where it's just like, I don't think you, like, I feel like I'm almost like you, evangelizing. You're, you're, the, you're the guy on the island that would take Dre over Kevin Durant? Is that, is no, that no, 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 no. No, that's not the situation. But if Kevin Durant comes in and says it's one or the other, I think that you basically have to say, or what? Like, I don't, uh, there has to be a middle ground there. Because, okay, the Warriors on the face. What is he doesn't sign there? Like, he's a free agent. Like, it's just like, okay, (sighs) I'm going to fucking leave. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, he holds the power. He holds all of the cards this summer. You're a thousand. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, This all feels very real. Uh, first and foremost. Uh, second, um, there's almost an analogy to be had for like the Bay Area as a whole. Like they're gonna, they're going to sell out Oakland, and sell their own soul, who is Draymond through and through, for <laughs> oh my Kevin. That's bad. They're gonna uh, do it, and, and and it would, and it's almost an impossible thing to argue that they shouldn't. But somewhere in the back of my head, actually, no, just just my entire body is covered it's, it's, in it's this. The, it's the front of your head. <laughs> just it, it, my entire body is covered in this. The second Draymond's gone, that team is no longer that team at all, and I, and I just I can't explain it. I I did not believe in this whole heart and soul crap until I met Draymond Green, and just like, oh, he wants it more, and he's like a winner. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's easy <laughs> to believe in now, I like. 100%. I agree. The more that you get into this business, the more that you understand that kind right. of side of things. But I've never I've never seen it exemplified better than Draymond Green. And uh did you ever read the Captain's Class that book uh, about the greatest captains in sports history and kind of what bound them all together? No. I highly recommend it. Uh we will not get into it here. I recommend it. The entire time I read that book, all I could think about was Draymond Green. And I've brought this up to people with the Warriors who make personnel decisions and who care about this kind of stuff and think about this kind of stuff because it's a very, you know, BS Silicon Valley kind of book. And um, they disagreed with that assessment, but they never gave me reasons why, despite the fact that I pestered them for it. So uh, (laughs) you get rid of Draymond, the Warriors end. I'm just convinced of that to my core. Before we talk more about why the Warriors are struggling, let's pay some bills. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks. ETFs, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And let me tell you what I like about it. I like that it is an incredibly simple and easy to understand user experience that you can just use the top search bar and find what you're looking for. They have great graphics. They have great ways for you to go about finding the information that you need to make the proper investing decision for you. Um, There's no cost or commission fees, like we said here. Uh, Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. Uh, You trade the stocks and you keep all of your profits. Uh, Like I said here, the design and ease of use is just unbelievable. The charts and the market data, uh, you, can, you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. I'm literally about um, to do it. You should. Uh, and you can learn by doing. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. Uh, discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized news feeds. And custom notifications exist for price movements, so you never miss the moment to invest. Uh, here's my way to give you guys something here with Robinhood. Robinhood is giving lists, giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at gametheory.robinhood.com. That's gametheory.robinhood.com. Uh, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y.robinhood.com. Go there and, you know, make your sound investing decisions. Now let's talk about the Warriors. And we've already talked about the investment decisions that they're going to have to make this summer long term what about the now like where where are we at with where this team is uh right now as they try and figure out how to get through this malaise and like part of me is just like okay stephen curry and draymond green are out let's just not overthink this like i I think that's a big part of them too yeah like kevin durant is really good but even kevin durant can't lead a team of what like two other starting quality players in the NBA, yeah, yeah. like to, it, it's to a bunch the, of G leaguers, right? It's Clay Thompson, a couple of nice role players, and a lot of G leaguers. Yeah, like Sean Livingston is good. Sean Livingston's a good, versatile backup guard now. Good um, player, 
Andre, Andre Guadalla is good. Yeah, but like Andre at this time of year, we know that he's conserving himself totally. for the important time of the year whenever uh, April rolls around. So, like, I, I don't think there's anything to take away here. I, I don't think that we should go crazy wondering if the dynasty is over, if all of this craziness is uh, is going to hold them back from winning a title. I think it's just, uh, you know what? They're fourth in net rating right now. We probably should just chill out, given the fact that Stephen Curry has missed, what, like five or six games now? Yeah, five, and he's going to miss a couple more. Um, Wednesday is going to be a world-class freakout game. The Thunder come to town. Russ always wants to prove something against the Warriors at Oracle. He always wants to prove something against everybody. But uh, uh, the Warriors are probably going to get spanked in that game. Uh, Then Thanksgiving, so everyone's going to have a whole day to sit around on their phones and yell about how the Warriors dynasty is over. And then they're going to play the... um, the Blazers on Friday, and that's another good team. And Dame Lillard comes back to Oakland. He always likes to prove something in Oakland. There's a chance that this is going to look a lot worse come the weekend. Uh, and yet nothing will really have changed in the overall scheme of things. Without Steph, the Warriors are completely mortal. I would argue that we can actually learn something from this period, though. Or at least Kevin Durant can learn something, which is, hey, if you want to leave the Warriors, guess what you have to look forward to? Kind of stuff like this. This is how the Knicks would look if you were on them. Uh, maybe not the Clippers. We'll talk about the Clippers a little bit later. But like, yeah, it's it's so interesting because like part of this is like, hey, you're going to leave and go somewhere like the Knicks. This is what your basketball future could look like. Lighter. But it's also like, hey, I mean, you're Kevin Durant. And if you right. go, decide to go to the New York Knicks and this is what happens to you, you're going to get shit from the media that you hate endlessly. Mm-hmm. Like he can't win. He'll never he'll and I don't think he'll ever be able to win until he gets his own team and takes them to a championship. Because Go to the Clippers. That's your best bet, I think. Again, again. It all leads into a later segment. But uh uh it is the Draymond thing is just as important as the Steph thing. The Steph thing means that their offense without Steph, their offense is completely constipated. They don't know what they're doing. Clay Thompson is shooting twenty six percent from beyond the arc outside of that one game against a debatable NBA team in the Chicago Bulls. He went fourteen for twenty four in that game, which is still just a stupefying line that I'm not even sure was that impressive based on the fact that like the Bulls gave up twenty four three pointers. Clay does not care for that take, by the way. And um, <laughs> have you but, have you presented this take to Clay Thompson? No, Clay reads the East Bay times in the san jose mercury news and he did not care for that when it made it to print um please please tell me what he told you he goes yeah i, I see you i see your bullshit and i go oh, oh bullshit and he's just like not that impressive huh and i go <laughs> well we can get into that <laughs> and i'm like we can get into that but we're not going to get into it right here and he goes i got nothing to say uh, he, <laughs> fuck now it's just gonna lay there um fair game fair game yeah uh probably should have brought yeah, it up to him in person it was a bananas take that it was not impressive. I understand that, like, you know, the Chicago Bulls are a bad defensive team, but 24 three pointers is stupid. So that game was over at halftime. They just played two more quarters. Yeah. First half uh, was impressive. No one was arguing the first half wasn't impressive, but he put up nine three pointers without. <laughs> without even like anyone even coming close to guarding them on like fast breaks. And it's just oh, like, this is god. some Grinnell nonsense. That's what's going on here. No, it's, no, oh my God, I can't handle LeVar, you. <laughs> LeVar, Le, LeVar Ball thought that there was uh, not enough defense being played in that. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, you know, Steph Curry's not there. The offense changes. Um, Durant is not being, a, Durant is not efficient when Curry is not around. And, I think that this is something that we we can glean from this on the whole, which is it's all about efficiency these days. Everyone talks about, oh, 40-point games. I don't give a shit how you got to 40 points if you put up 50 shots. Like If you're not efficient, you don't matter. Uh, Efficiency is the name of the game, and the Warriors aren't very efficient right now. They can't shoot a damn three to save their life because Clay isn't knocking down anything. Again, 26% outside of that one game. So that one game is holding up his numbers, which aren't even that good looking on the whole. You take out that one game, which again, leave that as it is. just let that lie. Leave your bad one takes game. as they lie. <laughs> it's not a bad take. It's a strong take. Doesn't mean it's bad. Just because you can't handle the heat doesn't mean oh. that it's a bad take. Um, this and- is like a Thanksgiving day hot take in the kitchen, <laughs> like cooking turkey where you're sweating like crazy trying to get all this shit out take. If I honestly felt like that wasn't my opinion, I would have wilted under the pressure. <laughs> 
And instead, I'm like, Clay, I will debate you until the end of time on that. Oh, my God. You're... I'm not saying I can do it. I'm not saying that maybe anyone else can do it. I'm just saying that you have to play the Bulls to do it. Isn't, um, isn't something else that no one can do other than maybe your teammate just inherently impressive? I'm not sure that, like, Devin Booker couldn't do that. Yeah, Devin probably could. Devin dropped, like, what, 70 last, or two years I ago? I legit, okay. listen, Danielle Marshall once held the three-pointers made record. Like, I'm not saying it's not an impressive record. It is impressive. What I'm saying is that was some preseason basketball bullshit that was being done. And there's a little bit of that. I'll admit it. There's a little bit of that. Like after the first half, I'm like, this, this doesn't feel authentic. There's a little bit of phoniness to this. Yeah. Uh, Just watch the third quarter. Watch the third quarter of that game. Let's it was Globetrotters nonsense. Oh my God. You're, I am here for this. I'm so here for this right now. Okay. Let's, 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 let me finish these points on the Warriors. One, Kevin Durant. This is what it would be like if he went to the Knicks. Two, Draymond Green's defense is sorely missed on this team because everyone can just cut to the basket as much as they want because there's no help side. The entire defense is predicated on Draymond Green covering up for everybody's failures. They have a, bunch of, cent- they have a bunch of centers that don't really know what the fuck they're doing on a possession by possession basis. They're very talented. Like the you know, Kevon Looney is running out there with three hip surgeries and he's like highly competent because he's a smart player and he knows what he's doing. But like yeah. Damian Jones can jump and touch the top of the backboard, but he's wandering around there. Like he's a lost puppy. And, uh, and Jordan bell, everything that you have said about how Jordan bell was just trying to make his athleticism work. And he doesn't really fall in like Jordan bell got seven minutes over the weekend. One game, he played 17 seconds. The other game, he played six because Steve Kerr does not trust him to stand in the right place and do things. Um, when Draymond Green is out, Jordan Bell getting seven minutes, that's not on Steve Kerr. Like, Steve just cannot straight up not trust him. So the defense is falling apart left and right. Clay's not shooting well. Um, Andre Guadalla's, you know, camping it in. And, like, they're counting on Quinn Cook to drop 25 points a game. It's not a good team, straight up. And it will be a much better team when, like, Steph Curry comes back. But when you're missing Alfonso McKinney, you got problems. And the Warriors missed Alfonso McKinney over the weekend. Uh, I think it's going to look a lot worse before it gets better. I don't necessarily think that uh, the the scuffle in LA on Monday has a lot to do with this, but I don't think it has nothing to do with it because I think Kevin's forcing it a little bit. Um, it's just interesting. I had asked Steve before all this kind of went down, um, does he ever look around the league and, and think about sort of the five-out revolution and everyone playing this Warriors style or wanting to play this Warriors style? And just sort of marvel at it. And he goes, I do marvel at it because I think that they've misinterpreted what we've been doing. We never really played five out or even four out. We were more of a three, two. But because we have Clay and Steph, it looks like a five out to a lot of people because he can stretch the floor so much. Well, without Steph, what does it look like? It looks like a one out. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And I thought that was fascinating, and it's being sort of highlighted on a night-in, night-out basis. I'm not sure this team would make the playoffs if Steph Curry and Draymond Green were on it. I know maybe if Draymond was on it, they stand a better chance. But without Steph Curry, this team does not operate. The entire thing is built around Steph and Draymond. Both sides of the court are seriously hindered. And um, I think for what it's worth, I think they would make the playoffs. They just adjust what they do. Um, But they're not going to adjust what they do for two weeks. You know, very valid point. Impossible to say we don't operate in a world where they, yeah, they're not going to adjust what they do for two weeks. Exactly right. The Markel Fultz situation has gotten somehow even more bizarre in bananas. And I'm not sure it's possible. I think that we've reached peak bananas and it's just going to remain there forever. Yeah, I think that I'm with you. So Markel Fultz is now scheduled to see a shoulder specialist, according to the Athletics' David Aldridge. Shout out David Aldridge. I get to call David Aldridge a colleague. What is going on with my Mathematically life right speaking, you can call about 90% of sports writers colleagues. Fair point. Fair point. Um, <laughs> he's going to see a shoulder specialist early next week at the direction of his quote-unquote attorney slash agent, Raymond Brothers. Uh, by the way, like Raymond Brothers is an extremely well-known like agent. Yeah. In the NBA. Uh, The the fact that it was framed, not just by David, by the way, by like most people who reported this story as his attorney is very odd to me. Like, it does seem like they did that purposely to like make it seem like they might be laying the groundwork for legal action against the 76ers being bad, like for injuries, which is an undisputed fact at this stage that the war, that the Sixers are a mess when it comes to injuries. I mean, look at the Zaire Smith situation, for instance, look at, 
uh, all of the yeah. Joel Embiid stuff. Look at all the uh, Ben Simmons stuff and the Nerlens Noel sitting out a year. Like we can just call it what it is. Like there, there have been a lot of problems with how the Sixers have handled injuries over the years. But I think you're right. I think that that's it. I think that they're laying some legal groundwork. It's that just, is. It is just like funny though that like he's oh uh, attorney Raymond Brothers. Yes, uh, you'll have to speak with my attorney. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, what do we, what do we do with this? I, I, I'm, it's just like, honestly sad to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, like I understand the role that like I play in some of this too, like with Markel Fultz getting, uh, getting shit for his, uh, you know, free throw problems and for his shooting problems. Oh yeah. We all laugh. Like, I, but, laugh. like I don't laugh, but like I post videos online. So mm-hmm. like I'm feeding into it somewhat, you know what I mean? Um, but he's but a like, professional I feel, basketball player. Yeah, but like there's still like a sense of empathy there, you know? Like I feel sure. really bad for him. Like I genuinely feel terrible that he is going through what he's going through right now. So well, I would just like clarity on what the hell he's going through. Yeah, and that's we, the biggest thing. Like I, I don't think we know. Like people I talk to around the league have just said for a while, like we think it's all in his head. And then it's not clear, it's clearly not all in his head. His shoulders fucked. It's turned to mush. Yeah, well, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm at the point now where I, I don't know. That, that's what I would like. I would like for Markel Fultz or his lawyer or his team of lawyers or I don't know, or the Sixers, to just be like, here's what's going on. Dude's shoulders messed up. Or Raymond Brothers and Associates. Yeah, like or or for them to say, like, his shoulder's fine. This is all a mental thing. I, they're protecting him, but I think it's only making it worse. Um, now maybe that has something to do with the legal action in which you can't like publicly announce it because then you're sort of admitting evidence or whatever. I don't know. I'm not I, a lawyer. I don't know. Maybe they aren't doing that. I don't know. But it would be nice to know what, like, Hey, it, it would be nice to at least have a consensus around the NBA on what the actual problem is. Yeah. If it's the shoulder, if it's his head, if it's both. I mean, um, DeAndre Jordan couldn't shoot a damn free throw. Now he talks to his teammates before he shoots one. He's shooting 85%. So maybe it is in his head. I've seen Dwight Howard make 98 out of 100 free throws during warmups. Like, there's something to that, no doubt. Some people laugh at the notion that it, in your head is something that is absolutely 1,000% true. Man, that double pump, oh, it slipped. That didn't slip. Um, no, because he did it the first time, too. Right. Like, and if you, you see watch it, the first you, free throw, he did it. And it's like, that might be in his head. It might be the fact that his shoulder, they're not, you know, no one knows if his shot was ever really changed. There's just, you know, I, I'm going through like a, a, a play-by-play of, of how this all went down on SB Nation. And it's like, no one can say if his shot mechanics were changed going into his rookie season, um, if that was injury or not, if uh, it was in his head or not, if he's talking to Drew Hanlon still or not, if it was the Sixers who did it or not, if it was Hanlon who did it or not. Now he's now he has an attorney. <laughs> so, it's, so like here's here's the thing: they, they can't keep playing him. Like we're at the stage now. You have to, said, use, yeah. Yeah, we said like Thanksgiving or like somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas was like when we would. Pull now the that Jimmy, now that Jimmy like, Butler's there, the time for patience is over. You have yeah. enough firepower on the team to survive without Mark Fultz. Yeah, I think that we said twenty games uh, mm-hmm. a little while ago, and we're. We're at 19 now. The Sixers have played more games than anyone in the NBA, which is the dumbest thing in the world by the NBA schedule makers, given the fact that they sent them to China and then made them play the most rigorous schedule in the NBA. Like the Pistons, they will have, have a wonderful February. The Pistons have played 14 fucking games, and the yeah. Sixers have played 19 despite going to China. To be fair, to be fair, okay, they travel to China, but the Sixers also typically have the least amount of travel of any NBA team because they're so close to. Fair point. Not Fair saying I, I'm saying your point is correct, but also the Sixers are like, hold on, we're going to take a 45 minute drive to like two thirds of our schedule. But like, here, here's the deal. So Markel Fultz in a, like his 11 or 12 most common lineups that he's played the most minutes with this year, uh, those top 11 or 12 lineups are all with Joel Embiid. And despite the fact that he's basically been tied to the hip of Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. he's still has a negative net rating uh, during his time on the floor. Like the Sixers still have a negative net rating when he's on the floor. When Joel Embiid is on the floor, the 76ers have a 6.3 net rating. He is ridiculous. Like Joel Embiid just rises all ships. Like the tide rises with Joel Embiid and it doesn't, it still doesn't help Markel. And I get that like, 
look, Markel's playing a lot of minutes with Ben and Ben isn't the best fit for him. And you can say the same with Ben, like Ben Simmons right now yeah. has a negative 1.2 net rating this year, despite yeah. the fact that he plays a lot of minutes with Joel Embiid, obviously. It's almost as if people member. have figured out that you can sort of mitigate him through defense. A sort little of. bit, but I sort think, it's, I think it's more of. roster construction than anything else. In Ben's totally agree. Totally but agree. If, if you're picking one guy that you have to sit, you're picking Markel. You're not picking Ben. Yeah, no like, shit, yeah. So it, just, it needs to be done for a minute here. They need to recalibrate. They need to figure out, okay, what's going on? How but is do that admitting guilt? I mean, this might be another thing too, where this is two sides in, an, in a debate that are so firmly entrenched in that it's the other side's fault that neither wants to give an inch. Maybe. That's very possible. I don't know. But I feel bad for Markel Fultz. I want him to get healthy. I want him to... I would like Markel Fultz to flourish. Yeah. Like, I want him to be happy. I want him to be healthy. I want to see the guy we saw at Washington where he was a confident playmaker who could do anything creating bad, with bad the ball. Man. Um, let's move on. I think we're on things that we like. Uh, yeah. So we, can, we can get out of here. We, we've we, we just talked about something that we don't like, that we're incredibly sad about. Let's it makes talk about me, something makes me very like. angry. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go first. We, we mentioned it when we were talking about the Warriors, but I really, really, really like watching the Clippers on like a nightly basis. It's and. So they're fit. They're fitting a lot of the things that I thought they would be, which is a so- sort of lineup where it's like you can just throw anybody in there. They're all rowing in the same direction. They are some tenacious little sons of bitches on that team. Um, Doc Rivers, good coach, terrible GM. I'm eating a lot. I'm eating a lot of crow on Doc. Uh, now, mind you, good players, good coach. They're tied together at the hip most often, but uh, I like the style that they're playing. I like the way that they go about their business. And I'm looking at that team. They have a chance to go out and with Gallinari having some serious trade value right now because he's playing well and that contract, which is expiring, um, they can go out and make a trade for somebody if they wanted to. Well, the Gallinari contract isn't expiring. Harris oh, no, that's is. two more years, right? Yeah, Harris's is expiring. Harris's is expiring. Um, yeah, they, they have a lot of expiring money that they can like kind of use to make a trade. They have Boban's expiring deal. Yeah. They have Milos Teodosic, who's at $6 million, is an expiring mm-hmm. deal. They can get like, they can make money work any which way with trades right now. So if the market, if the market brings up another superstar or, or something to that effect, they can go out and get in on that. But if I'm a free agent going into this upcoming offseason, I'm looking at the Clippers. I'm looking at everything that they're doing. Yes, that is a bad brand name for all of the reasons we already know, for all the reasons that Steve Ballmer's in charge. But you think about when the Warriors played the Clippers that night that everything went to shit. They had Bill Russell sitting next to Steve Ballmer and Jerry West right behind him. Um, Ballmer's going for it. And I think that they are they are all set up this offseason to make a, a big cultural shift. They want that arena in Inglewood. It looks like it's going to get done. Um, they, they're... They're ready to go. Jerry West, I don't doubt him for a second. He brought the Warriors back from from nothing in a big way. Um, is sort of their soothsayer in the room. Um, I know he's doing the same thing for the Clippers because he's just too brilliant of a basketball mind. If Ballmer can recruit Kawhi or KD, the Clippers are going to be a thing. And if I'm looking, if I'm one of those players and I'm looking at what's going on with the Clippers, I go, there's a lot of competence here. And in this Western Conference, I can get that team over the top. Whereas you look at a team like New York and you go, I don't know if that's ever going to work. Uh, so I'm loving what the Clippers are doing. I love watching them play on a nightly basis. I think they're going to be a bottom, you know, bottom three playoff team in the Western Conference just because they don't have that top end talent. But if you can buy Clipper stock, do it. Do it right now because I think it's only going to go up, up, up from here in the years to come. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. They look awesome this season and they're well positioned going forward. They should be significant bidders in the Bradley Beal sweepstakes if those actually do open. That's that's um, a thousand. That is right. That is right. That's like, yeah. That, that's the guy they should go get if if that actually happens. Uh, if the Bradley Beal deal actually goes down um, and they decide to move him because the Wizards are an irrational actor in a marketplace that is yep. slowly but surely eliminating irrational actors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the I mean, that was That was the Clippers' job for so many years, being the irrational actor. And perhaps they still have it in them because as much as I, you know, pump them up and say buy stock now, one wrong move could kind of put them into a perpetual purgatory again. Um, so they, they got to make they got to make the most of this situation right now. But they've done an excellent job in setting themselves up to be wildly successful beyond what anyone could have expected from them a year ago, two years ago and certainly five. 
Let's talk about Luka Doncic. Yeah, man baby. That I may or may not have at 25 to 1 odds to win Rookie of the Year. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to pay off, baby. Oh, ho, ho, ho. how happy I am. Uh, Luka Doncic is averaging. I, I'm, I'm just, this is going to be the thing that I like into perpetuity, basically. Yeah. Uh, Luka Doncic is averaging 19.2 points, 6.8 rebounds, 4.1 assists per game, 56.6 true shooting percentage. The Mavericks are somehow a plus like team when he's on the floor in terms of yep. net rating. Uh, this team is built around Luca. This is the Luca show and I am all the way here for it. He balled out against the Warriors. Uh, he is, yeah, he, did. he is just an absolute superstar. He's a crafty little um, fucker. That's what he is. He's, he is a basketball genius in every yeah. single way. Um, surprise, surprise. The guy who won the MVP of the Euro League <laughs> and the ACB at 19 years old is who would have thought of basketball. Who would have thought yeah. it? I don't know. Uh, who knows, really? Who's this? <laughs> is Luka Doncic good at basketball? Who's to say? Uh, everyone said it at the time that actually had watched Luka Doncic play. Uh, just so good. He is such a good basketball player. Um, and he really changes the math on what Dallas is. Like, yeah. we can talk about, like, Trey Young and whether or not it was worthwhile for Dallas to move up from five to three, given that Trey, I think, has actually looked pretty good so far. Right, and um, he has the ability to be a franchise-changing player. Um Right. So, but it's it's one of those deals still where, out, but we know what Luca is, and he's awesome. Right. It, it's one of those deals where it made sense for both parties. It made sense for right. Atlanta to pick up an extra draft pick because Atlanta can't go out and lure free agents. Absolutely. Dallas, on the other hand, uh, it made sense to go get the guy who is good right now, who you can sell mm-hmm. to free agents because they have a clean cap sheet going forward. They can go out and try and get free agents now. So, th- honestly, I, I do think this deal was a win-win regard. Like, I think that Trey Young is a good basketball player. He's going to be a really good starting point guard. Luka Doncic might be like a 10-time all-star. But mm-hmm. we, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know that we for sure know what his like long-term upside is yet. Like, yeah, I don't know how much of, I'm, I don't know how much higher his ceiling is, but if this yeah. is his floor, oh my God. Yeah, like I, I was really high on him coming into the year. Like I said, like I picked him to win rookie of the year. I thought he would average like 15 or 16, five and five. Is what yeah. I think I said. Yeah, he's exceeding he that right now. Like he's For been now. way better. Like he's just been. I expect it to continue, star. but like, yeah, he's long an, season. He's just an absolute monster right now. Um, the way that his crafty ball handling ability is translated is great. Obviously, the touch uh, has always been there. Some people like question the three point percentages coming in. He was always a really good shooter. That was silly. That was silly. Um, yeah. He he's just an absolute superstar. Already, I think uh, he is probably one of the 30 best players and maybe not 30, oh, probably one, of the, one of the 50 best players in the NBA already right now. And that is at Agreed. 19 years old, just totally crazy. My question to you with this is, OK, they have Dennis Smith Jr. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. is not going to be the dude on this team. That, Peter, this is a positive zone, man. No, it's a positive zone. What I'm saying is <laughs> what I'm saying is, OK, De- Dennis is not going to be the guy. We all want Dennis to flourish. And I, I, you know, while Luca can play off the ball, you want the ball in Luca's hands. You want to make it happen with him. Um, but here's the thing, too, though. Uh, you're going to ask like what should they, what they should do with Dennis Smith long term, right? Or, or just, I mean, obviously, as part of the calculus, he's clearly on the table for teams, and this, and that gives them an, a really incredible trade chip to go out and maybe make something happen whenever they feel like they want to make something happen. Because De- I don't think Dennis Smith is going to become all that Dennis Smith can be with the Mavericks. So if you're like a hundred percent rebuilding in Washington, mm-hmm. is are you going to get a better offer than Dennis, Dennis Smith and Harrison Barnes for Beal for just Beal? Yes. What could the Mavs do you to get might. Otto too? I, I think that you might because I think the Lakers might offer like yeah. Brandon Lakers Ingram. Do something silly. But um, yeah, like I was trying to think like I, I probably, I don't know. I mean, I like, don't know I, financially if you can get enough money together to get both Ingram or I'm sorry, get both uh, Porter and what about Ingram for Smith? Oh God, that's, I don't know that I would want to put Dennis in Los Angeles with Lonzo. It's an interesting thought. Um, yeah, sure I, I wouldn't thought, do but that. It certainly made me interested. Uh, what I, what I will say about Dennis right now is Dennis uh, is a negative six point nine net rating when he's on the floor. He's you yeah. know playing a bunch of minutes with Luca, obviously, who has a positive net rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, Luka, even more comments for Luca. Luca has been throughout the course of his career at his best when he plays with another point guard on the floor. The problem is that Dennis does seem to want the ball more 
than the other point guards that Luca has played with in the past. Facundo Campazzo, who is Argentina's point guard, um, and Goran Dragic, who is his teammate with Slovenia. Yeah. Both those guys are a lot more comfortable operating off the ball, whereas Dennis isn't really that comfortable with it yet. Yeah. Um, I he think he is. A, I do think that this does make him a pretty real trade chip, though. Um, or it could work out. Or it could work. Uh, the other guy that I want to bring up on Dallas, who is just one of now my favorite players to watch in the NBA, mm-hmm. who's like way under the radar, not like one of my actual oh, yeah. favorite players, is Maxi Kleba. Yes. Uh, Maxi He's very Kleba. good. Awesome. He is, uh, he, they have a plus 11 net rating when Maxi is on the floor because he can block shots, he can hit yeah. threes, he moves really, really well for a guy who's like 6'10, 6'11. Uh, he is like a awesome basketball player that i do not understand he's a three and d center baby this is what we've been looking for he's a five and d yeah he is he's awesome i am i guess we should call him a three and five i am the lead maxi Kleber hive uh guy right now yeah that's that's where there's so there's so much to love about this dallas team and it's it's i don't know if it's coming together anytime soon but you just watch them like yes i I, i'm i'm in on clippers stock but you can buy dallas stock for much less money right now uh, probably true and, and they have the actual guy to build around whereas i don't yeah. think the clippers do yeah yeah so, I, i'm behind clippers, it the clippers have the guy to build around in steve ballmer obviously and uh, ownership as we talk about in developers Danny, talks developers, about, um, developers ownership is the great marginal inefficiency throughout the entire nba 1000 um, and, and look like i don't mean i'm not talking shit about mark cuban mark cuban's obviously willing to spend money too um but He's the sharp, outer market baby. With Steve Ballmer is you know a little bit different than the Dallas market with Mark. A little bit different, but don't don't sleep on Dallas. Don't sleep on no state taxes stuff like it's that. True. I mean, it can play. This is Very a play. True. Though I guess we've been saying, uh, <laughs> I guess we've been saying that about the Heat for a while. <laughs> no state taxes and uh, you know Pat Riley, who isn't the owner, but you know, Allison, they, they they've never had an issue spending money, and it just hasn't come together. So I'm hoping Not that recently, we don't have no, yeah, no. Uh, I, not not since LeBron left, so I'm hoping it's not a, a similar situation to that. But clearly, very different circumstances. Do you have Do you have anything else going on in your life right now, dude? Anything? I'm up in like Seattle. Like this is not my home. Um, this is not your home. No, I'm up in Seattle for Thanksgiving with my girlfriend's family. Uh, cold up here. I want to go back to California where it's warm. But at least they have clean air. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we need a uh, warm weather in LA. That is that is the dream. That's what we're yeah. doing. We're having like 13 people over for Thanksgiving. Nice, good yeah. get. Big, big thing. We have ham. We have turkey. We have stuffing. We have all of the. We do it all in this household. That the sounds reason, awesome. What's favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Oh, stuffing for sure. But stuffing. I think I'm um, a stuffing man too. I mean, I will say this: like people on Twitter and stuff, like have noticed that like I I regularly bake and all that stuff. Um, I made an awesome key lime pie that I'm debating making again for Thanksgiving. I, I might I might enjoy that. Like it's you know this is this is where we're at in my life right now. Back when I uh, back when I would always do the Kurtenbach family Thanksgiving, there would be a pie contest every Thanksgiving evening, and it it became a little bit that too competitive. Is awesome. Yeah, it got a little it got little too intense. Um, your your family, from what you've told me, will uh, will do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it was the opening round of the passive aggressive Olympics, so it made sense <laughs> that it should be that intense. But uh, I don't necessarily miss that, though. I do miss all the pie. Oh my god! Yeah, we have. I'll we get have, to. Do, I'll get to do it soon coming. enough. I'm really excited. Uh, being that Laura is from Australia, her sister's making a pavlova, which, if you don't nice. know what that is, look it up. Um, it's basically sugar and fruit, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, there's pumpkin pie coming. I might make it. Do you have enough? Pie. Do you have enough table space for all this? So we have an outdoor area. We have like nice. a big balcony that we're good on. Um, That's awesome. That's the way but, to do it, man. I mean, like, I'm I'm excited for Thanksgiving, but I will say, like. Have you, have you, are you like a Harry Potter guy? I don't remember this about you. My girlfriend is, so by proxy, I am. Yeah, so like, have you guys seen Crimes of Grindelwald yet? No, the first the first whatever Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts, Beasts I did not care for. Oh, you're a monster. No, it was fine. It just it was just like, this isn't, I don't know, like I'm not, I really like the Harry Potter story. Obviously, it's Harry Potter. Like everyone likes Harry Potter, and I found it interesting. I read all the books, and I watched all the movies. I did not care for, it, it wasn't Harry Potter, and I'm not sure. like one who wants to be in that universe Constant. All the time. Yeah. Like I so, like the characters and the universe was totally awesome. But I don't know if we need other characters in that universe. So yeah, like Harry Potter, Crimes of or uh, Fantastic Beast, Crimes of Grindelwald. Bit of a bummer. Not gonna lie to you. So I'm gonna hate it. Just to, 
The reasons that it's a bummer for me are Johnny Depp's in it. I mean, yeah, that's not great. That's obviously not a great look. They probably should have recast that. But like, um, it's more like I am like a massive Harry Potter nerd. Like I can like go crazy with it. Um, But those that's the reason that it's a bit of a bummer. Like there are just like random like continuity gaffes that don't really make a whole lot of sense. Like and they're like glaring on first watch. Spoiler alert! But like small spoiler alert. Um, it's like not like a big deal, but like McGonagall is in it, and like the movie is set in 1927, and she was supposed to have been born in 1935, and like she said to uh, I believe Umbridge in like the fifth book that like she's only been at Harry Potter or been at uh, Hogwarts for I want to say it was like 39 years or something, which would put her like starting in the 50s as opposed to starting in 1927. So, well, did we ever? Did we ever? confirm when harry potter yes it's, it's the 90s it's like 1991 or 1992 okay that's bad yeah it's not great it's not not a great look for didn't she uh, write didn't jk rowling like yeah oh well but like it's it's small stuff like that but it's also big stuff like it's it's a lot going on there are a lot of characters there are a few stories that um you don't really care about also like with the introduction of dumbledore i kind of yeah. don't care about like anything else that's on the uh screen totally. like I, I just want all of dumbledore's background story is it basically. jude law yeah and jude law is amazing jude law is like has jude law I, ever really been bad no i don't think so but like jude, jude law, law underrated actor yeah jude law is an underrated actor but like he's by far the best dumbledore that has we ever have. been on screen he is that's, awesome. that's an impressive statement but uh well, gambon was terrible I don't the, know about the that. second guy he was awful he second was guy was bad yeah that, okay, that is fair. no that you're right you're right you're right you're right he was Maybe the worst part of those movies. Um, yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. I haven't um, seen him in a while. Maybe that's what we'll do. Yeah, Jude Law is Jude Law is very very good though. We had that Jude Law Renaissance where Jude Law was in every movie like nine years ago. Yeah, and then he just stopped doing a bunch of movies, and everything he's been in since then has been pretty darn good. Hashtag the Young Pope. Yeah, I miss the Young Pope. <laughs> I miss the Young Pope so. Yeah, we'll talk. Like Young Pope was good, and then <laughs> was- Young Pope jokes were better. It was good for so many weird reasons. It was it was perfect. It was perfect. It was like the last truly good thing. It was the perfect internet show. Because like, yeah. I feel like it knew that it was ridiculous in so many ways. But it was, the, the internet memes made it more ridiculous. But I feel like it had like that right. eye where it knew it was like kind of absurd. It was a little bit meta. Um, you also have to understand like I grew up Catholic. And like, I know mm. all, and been to the Vatican and all this crap. Like all of that stuff, it's just... It, it, that adds into the patent absurdity of it because you just know, I don't know. You, I, I think I have a better understand. I would hope I'd have a better understanding of 14 years in Catholic school or whatever of the inner workings of how stuff like that goes down. And like the notion of a 30 something year old Pope is just like insane and totally awesome. And then I it's love it. Jude law. I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, crimes are involved. It's, it's like another, another part of the movie is too. like, I don't think it stands on its own. So mm. Like Harry Potter, people who like aren't like super into the Harry Potter world, like I don't know if they're gonna get everything that. What percentage of of the population could that possibly be? That's a good question. Like, who on earth is gonna go see that movie and be like, I have no idea what's going on in Harry Potter. First off, Harry Potter. Some people, some people just like see the movies, though, right? Yeah, but not everyone reads the books. Yeah, but who wouldn't have seen all of the movies? But like, even if you, even if you just have only seen the movies. I don't know if you're going to like this movie. Oh, like it's it's even like some deep cuts. Yeah, it's definitely like a deep cut. Um, Fair enough. For the diehards kind of movie. But there, the mistakes within it uh, make it a lot more difficult for the diehards to like kind of get behind it as well. Mm-hmm. It's it one of the most disappointing movies I've seen this year, to be honest. Disappointing seems like the operative word for you. Yeah. Like it hurt you a little bit. It did. It really did. Uh, yeah. Dieter, tell the people where they can find your work. San Jose Mercury News. Uh, Twitter at D Curtainbuck, D K U R T E N B A C H. I am chronicling the Warriors' fall from grace. Go subscribe to The Athletic. Keep me employed. Uh, we've been doing a great job of chronicling that as well. Anthony Slater, uh, Marcus Thompson, Tim Kawakami, Ethan Strauss. You don't have to be a dick about it, man. Go read all those guys as well. <laughs> go read Dieter. Go read Dieter. Okay, go read first. one of those stories first, and then go read Dieter, and then go back to The Athletic. Well, come on, man. 
you, you want you for okay well go read Dieter. do me first and then go into whatever athletic wormhole or, or don't you know what just don't it doesn't even matter <laughs> anymore so i'm losing every day oh my god uh please rate review and subscribe to the podcast we'll be back later next week shout out to robin hood go to gametheory.robinhood.com yeah uh, you'll get a That's free what... stock if you want it and you should take it it's good yeah it's like they're giving you money basically it's, no it's like literally giving you money So uh, until next time, though, we'll talk soon. Bye.